Yeah. I always talk about that, that they always say that we're trying to destroy the institution of marriage. We're trying to embrace it. Yeah. I think heterosexual people destroy it. They don't need you helping. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, the amount of divorces. And, right. Uh, you don't need that. But by the may- way... Maybe they should say that you're not allowed to get divorced. Oh, no. That's then Henry VIII. They'll just start literally chopping heads off. Don't do that. This is the Mideast Peace Podcast. I'm your host, Molly Livingstone, here in Jerusalem, the gay capital of the Middle East. Nah, not yet anyways. But here we have a gay activist in the LGBT community, Nadav Schwartz. Thank you so much for joining us. In the religious LGBT community. Oh, what did I say? The LGBT community. Okay, so it's the religious, which is actually, what's more important, being gay or religious? Being both. (laughs) now you sound like a politician not an activist it goes together sometimes okay so here's my thing it's good that you told me religious because a lot of people do not realize that there are gay people that could be religious so can you explain how that works especially when it comes to judaism there's lgbt people everywhere we're in every community we're surrounded yeah so even in the ultra-orthodox community when they say oh we don't have that they do they do. They might want to ignore it, but we're always like, in every community. We have no numbers because a lot of people are in the closet, but I know people in every community. His eyes bulged out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, because uh, somebody in Batyam just said, oh, we in Batyam don't have gays. gays. And I'm like, dude, listen, this is like so 90s excuse. <laughs> like, we well, really Batyam is like the butt of the center <laughs> of Israel. Anyway, so I found out when I was in yeshiva, in a high school yeshiva. When I was 13, I realized I'm gay. Really? And that time I decided, or unconsciously, to be in denial, which was my defense mechanism. Did you know what being gay is if you're 13 in yeshiva and you're being raised in a religious world in Jerusalem? Well, I noticed that I'm attracted to men. It was very, very clear to me. Hmm. I just found more men more interesting and more, well, attractive. Attractive, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when I was able to, to say, well, somebody was bullying me, he called me gay, and I, I said, once I said, yes, I am. Like, it was like to make him stop. And when I said it to him, it helped me understand... Oh, that's what I feel. That this oh, is. Yes, uh, I am. Yeah. And and then I was in denial, but it was always in the back of my mind of that I have this. I never defined it as something part of me, as I have glasses or long hair. I so have. I am gay. I have gayness or I have attraction to men, and uh, my hope was to uh, get rid of it eventually or to get married to a woman eventually. And I never thought that it really will influence my life. When at the end I did decide to live as a gay person, personally I don't believe that I chose to be gay, but I did choose to live as a gay person. Mm. And I had to think, okay, how do I want to stay religious? I believe in God, I believe in religion. How do I combine those two things? 
And I, after a long time, because I had a lot of fights with uh, Kadosh Baruch Hu, with God, there was one time that we were uh, brogues, as we say in Hebrew, <laughs> we, were, we were fighting. We're all and, frenemies. <laughs> and I said to myself, wait, if I'm angry at God, it means that I still want a relationship with him. And, okay, now we're fighting, we'll make up later. Like, we'll have peace later. And, and it happened, and I always say that I worked harder on this relationship. And I had to think, okay, what do I do with this now? And I said, I didn't choose to be gay. I mean that I believe that God chose it for me. And a, a very important principle in Judaism is that whatever God does is for the best. And therefore, if he made me gay and whatever he does is for the best, it means that he thinks that the best thing for me is to be gay. Okay, so you stand by, you believe in God, you believe God chooses this for you. Because I was going to ask, as a religious person, do we think that it's like a mental illness? Do you think it's how you're born? Do you think it's something you can get rid of? And you're saying that it is God that chooses, you're born with it. I did not say that I'm born with it. I did not say that. I, okay. said, I said I didn't choose it. It could be that I was born with it. It could be that it developed throughout the years. It could be that 2,000 ways to think how it happened. I have a theory, my favorite theory, how people are born uh, LGBTers. But I don't know. And, I don't, and the truth is I don't care. Even if somebody chooses, you know what? I'm heterosexual, but I want to live with a man. Or a woman saying, I want to live with a woman. Who cares? It's their decision. Yeah. I, I'm not telling any other person who to marry. Why do I have I'll to I'll tell you who cares. It seems like all of the Middle East <laughs> cares about the gays, the lesbians, the transgenders. I mean, when I was, you know... Bisexuals. Oh, yeah. And don't even like start on thruples or whatever the crap that is. Here's the thing. Here in the Middle East, to be of that community, first of all, it seems like it does not exist and it cannot exist. So when I was looking things up for this interview, I saw countries like, I thought that Saudi Arabia, because now they let women drive and they have this fresh prince of Saudi Arabia, Bel Air, uh, that, you know, they were going to be more uh, lenient with laws. But no, 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 not at all. I mean, you can be executed for being gay. There simply is no homosexuality. The opposite side of that, there are some countries that will allow it in the area, like Lebanon and even Syria, and the Palestinians will allow women, women to be in a relationship with other women, definitely not men. So a lot of people care. Israel obviously stands out in the sense you have Tel Aviv, which is one of the most gay-friendly cities in the world, who has a crazy pride parade that I've been to, which could be West Hollywood. Like, it's, it's nuts So, And then last week, we had the march, which is very different than the parade, and a lot of activists will tell me that, here in Jerusalem with like 30,000 people, which is one of the highest numbers they've ever had. So there is a world of people coming out and saying, yes, they should be accepted. And it's because of also what happened with the surrogacy law, which we'll talk about in a second. But who cares? There were over 200 rabbis, Orthodox, Haredi, that condemned the parade saying it's brainwashing, it's unhealthy, these people are perverts, and they shouldn't be out in society. They certainly shouldn't have kids because they're ruining their children. They'll have an unnatural. So how do you take this all in? Because here you are, you're religious. And from what I understand, a lot of the people and organizations that march 
in this march come from religious organizations for LGBT, which shocks people to hear that. Go. <laughs> you threw a yeah. lot of information down there. Yeah. Actually, I'm coming back from a seminar in Holland, in the Netherlands, of uh, religious LGBTers from the Africa and Middle East, Middle East region. There were 12 people. That's uh, all there were, literally. All 12 <laughs> showed up. They said, whoever once comes, and 12 people show up. <laughs> uh, no, we were chosen. Uh, there was a guy from Senegal and from Burundi, and like places we had to check like if they exist. Women and men? There were women <laughs> and men. They exist. And uh, some people identified as queer and some people identified as a, trans? a non, non-binary, trans. Mm. There were there were a very, very interesting mixture of people. But it did, it stacked out that I was the only one that it was legal for me mm. to be in a relationship or to be gay. And to be out. And to be, uh, most of them are out. Uh, very, very interesting. Like I asked them, almost each and every one of them, like, why do you stay? Yeah. Why don't you just run away? And I think most of them gave me the same two answers. One is like, that's that's my home. Like, what? Where that's do my I family. Mm-hmm. Why would I leave them? And the second thing is, they said, if I'll run away, who will stay to make the change? So I think we're privileged in a way that we can march and say, yes, we're here. And to make actions, I gave a talk there in the Netherlands, about the the previous letter from two years ago. Um, do they, they w- always write a letter? That, it's, like, it's like, yeah. what do they rabbis have to do? They write letters, <laughs> petitions. Like, what do I do today? Argue. Is there another opinions. petition to sign? <laughs> and last time there were 400 rabbis. Oh, so. so 200 is pretty okay. Like, yeah. we're going down by half. Where do you think the other ones were? So I... Half the like, parade. I'm not... I'm not saying that it's me, but... <laughs> you uh, just did. No, I did not. One of the things I talked about, we talked about our activism, and I took the names of the people, the rabbis who signed the petition last time, mm-hmm. and I searched online for their home addresses. Ooh, creepy. This is going uh, weird. Exactly. Yeah. I, said, I said, they came to my house through the newspaper, through the media. They came into my house. I want to get to their house so they know that it's personal. Yes. And I wrote a personalized letter through a word, but still personalized <laughs> with their name. And I, I said to them, I, it was like for, before Rosh Hashanah, so I wrote a Shana Tova. And Happy New it. Year. Happy New Year. I found you. <laughs> <laughs> Happy New Year. Yeah. And I wrote, I'm, I'm all for free speech. You're, You're to entitled say. to say whatever you want. But by signing that, it means to me that you have no idea what it means to be uh, religious LGBTers, you don't know the struggles, you don't know who we are, what we stand for, anything. And I got 15 answers back out of 250 letters that I sent. Wow. And some said that I'm wrong. Some said that they would love to meet and talk about it. That was a date. And I offered that. I Is offer- this the gay shidduch dating site you wanted to do, matchmaking, yeah. starting with the rabbis <laughs> that are against you? Well, unfortunately, it's like a hot first date. Unfortunately, there Opposites are rabbis that are in the closet. Yeah, um, we have that as well. So that's not that's, just the priests with the Catholics, is what no, you're saying. No, no, some are in or a better in situation. Islam, there's a lot too. Yeah, but one rabbi actually sent me a letter back saying, uh, "Thank you for the letter. I was looking to apologize to somebody." 
whoa. Yeah. And then he signed in the 200? No. No, just kidding. I, I, I didn't be... check. I didn't check. Mm. But it does show, like, last petition, there were 400. Now we're at 200. And the week afterwards, there were 50 rabbis pro-LGBT. Do you think that the march educates? Because that's part of it, right? Like, it's not a parade. It is a march. It is a march against discrimination. It is a march to say we are here. First of all, how many gays do you think are actually in Jerusalem? And where are they? Because there's no flamboyant, okay? There's no what I was raised with. I'm not flamboyant enough for you. Darling, (laughs) this is not going well right now. You said you were wearing a shirt that said, I kiss boys. And that's why the bus didn't stop. And then you came in and you have like two zebras. They don't even look sexual on the shirt, so... It's two male zebras. Maybe. They don't have parts. They're Ken doll zebras. Yeah, no, they're not flamboyant. It's not. You go to Tel Aviv, everyone's out, they're holding hands. I'm not going to see two men here holding hands. I think I've seen I, one. I oh. always hold hands. Uh, not always, like right now, no. <laughs> but it's not that I go to random people down the street and just <laughs> grab their hand. I actually got more negative comments in Tel Aviv than in Jerusalem. About? About holding hands. I got way more positive comments from religious people that were like doing like the thumbs up Mm. or a woman, a religious woman came to us with her child. Like she she was walking to her like on the street and she said, I don't want to sound creepy, but you guys are really cute. (laughs) And we said, thank you. It is creepy. (laughs) <laughs> no, we didn't we did not say it's creepy, but it was like yes, Jerusalem has a very big stigma yes. as not tolerance. There's a lot of tolerance in Jerusalem and I feel comfortable walking in the center of town with my boyfriend holding hands and I don't do it as an demonstration. I do it because I love him and I want You're just being like in the normal, the way a heterosexual couple wouldn't think about holding hands. Exactly. Which is nice, in my opinion. And if you're talking religious-wise, there's much less halachic problems to men holding hands than than a man and a woman holding hands. Well, you do this, Nadav. You won't give me a hug or a high five because it says, and you're being religious, that you're not supposed to touch a woman. Right. But you're touching men and you like men. It's hypocritical. It's not. It's mm. more fun, I agree. But <laughs> it's the like genius loophole. But you know what? When I go to speak to rabbis, that's exactly what I, I tell them. Like, imagine this. This ridiculous situation when I come to a lesbian woman, I, I'm a gay man, talking to a lesbian woman, I don't shake her hand. There's no chance we'll, right. either we'll, one of you is ever gonna hook up with ag- each other. With each other. And Tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about this seriously. Take the two sides of my identity, orthodox and gay, and let's talk about it seriously. And and the rabbis are not there yet. No. Are N- they going to be there? You think they're going to be there? They're getting there. Wow. They're getting there. Now it's still in private conversations. It's behind closed doors. But things are happening and things are going on the positive side. Two years ago at the parade, we had a murder. We had... Oh, it was three? No, it was 2015. It was 2015? Hmm, time flies. Okay, so three years ago, we had a murder at the parade. It was actually the same guy that had done a previous stabbing at a previous Jerusalem march. 
And then he was released and no one thought, hey, we shouldn't let him go to the march. So he ended up killing a girl who wasn't, by the way, gay. She was there as a supporter. And so since then, you have way more police out there. Although this time with 30,000 people, it used to almost feel like it was a one-to-one ratio of police to participant. This time with 30,000 people, there's no way they could do that. People said they had snipers up on roofs. I mean, they take it really seriously. You say you feel comfortable to be a gay man in Jerusalem, in the city center, and hold your boyfriend's hand. But here, when you're going to make a statement, a bold statement, It's on lockdown. I mean, it was really serious. And now I want to bring up really quickly that surrogacy law that just came into passing, which is basically that no single man will be able to father a child through Through surrogacy. Yes. Through surrogacy. What's your take on that? Because, you know, I'm all for equality. I don't want to be treated any more fair than somebody else. I want us all to be treated equally. So that for me, that's hard for me to swallow. I don't like it. How do you feel as actually the person that's going to be affected by that? Well, so first of all, surrogacy is a big issue. Like there are women's rights there and there's, uh, there. I can't say, let's put everybody in one box and say all surrogacies are wrong or all surrogacies are okay. That's that's a question should, that should be dealt separately. Okay. I think the problem is not the law itself and what it permits or prohibits. The question is what is the message that stands behind it? And I'll, I'll give an easier example with a marriage. Okay. So I cannot get married in Israel, okay? Because in Israel, it's only religious marriage. The problem is not that I can't do it in Israel because I can do it anywhere else that I can come back to Israel and Israel writes me as a married couple right they recognize they recognize it completely they have to according to international agreements and there's not a problem Mm -hmm. so it's not the technical issue of doing it abroad the problem is the message that stands behind it by saying to somebody you're not worthy of getting married it's sending especially the youth who are looking they are being taught at school, yes, marriage is awesome. I don't know if it's true, but... <laughs> <laughs> you did know. it. <laughs> I don't know if that's uh, what we want to send, but that's the message, especially in religious schools, when we say, yes, oh, yeah, you have to raise a family, you have to the have goal a marriage. Is marriage and children. And suddenly when they come to get married, the man and a man or a woman and a woman, and they say, oh, by the way, no, you can't. Right. So the message there is, oh, your marriage is not good you don't have a future according to what we always taught you or or the hidden message behind that is oh yeah you only care about sexuality like all you looking for hookups and then when we go to rabbis and say why do you always only care about sex we're like we don't only care about sex we care about other things we want to get married oh you don't want to get married you only care about sex no it's it, you're you're putting us in a loop that we're trying to break so is this something now you as a gay activist a religious gay activist <laughs> that's what you're gonna try to change i i always talk about that yeah i always talk about that that they always say that we're trying to destroy the institution of marriage we're trying to embrace it. Yeah. I think heterosexual people destroy it. They don't need you helping. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, the amount of divorces and right. uh we don't need that. But by the may- way maybe they should say that you're not allowed to get divorced. Oh no. That's then Henry the Eighth, they'll just start literally chopping heads off. Don't do that. You know, it's interesting and we're gonna wrap it up and we didn't even touch this transgenders. 
which there's a whole thing because in in Hebrew you have male, female. So what do you do for trans or people that don't are binary? They don't recognize themselves as he or she. But I will say, I know somebody who became trans. They felt I am a man, but I am a woman. And in the army, they actually changed. And I thought with such great respect, they have a section of the army that helps deal with the change and that the officer in the unit started to refer to the man as a woman. And I just thought that was so beautiful. And that is progress. And I do believe progress is out there. I think Israel has always led the way in that, in the, like in the Middle East where we see <laughs> all the scariness that happens in the other countries from flogging to actual execution or just plain out denial. Here, it's a battle, but you get to battle it. You get to be an activist out loud and do it. Right. Uh, Have a gay dating website that you want to create. How original. But at, at the same time that I'm working and dating, I also have a website about a reparative therapy because that's a very big thing in Israel, yeah. especially in the Orthodox community. Yep, getting yourself back. Trying to change your sexual orientation. It's there. I went through such a therapy and it, it's really, really bad and it's really big. So yes, we're in a good place, but at the same time, there are very bad things happening underneath the surface. If people want to learn more about your activism and what you're doing and about Jerusalem and the LGBT community, how can they find out? How can they reach out? Uh, me personally, you can find me on Facebook, Nadav Schwartz. What's uh, your Tinder name? Grinder. I, I don't have that. <laughs> I'm in a relationship right now, Ooh. so I don't. But uh, you can find my website about conversion therapy, hamara.info, and just call out. There's... You, there's ways you, to find you. And there's always LGBTs around you. Yes, no that's what people. we've learned. Everyone, we're surrounded. That's and, the message to take home. And if you're nice to them, they might feel comfortable telling you. Yeah, and they might be flamboyant and go out with me to a gay bar in Jerusalem. Oh, Does you're that exist? so invited. Woo! Gay it's, bars in Jerusalem? There's one. <laughs> By the way, it's the same amount that there are in Tel Aviv. One also oh, in Tel Aviv? Only one in Tel Aviv. Everyone's gay in Tel Aviv. Don't give me that. But it's an awesome bar and I would love to take you there. Okay. Yay. A date. Okay. We can't touch though. <laughs> All right. Fine. The Mideast Beast Podcast. You can find us on iTunes where you can subscribe. I want to thank Scott Khan for editing this and always producing. And, you know, just find us also on social media. You know the drill. This has been another episode of the Mideast Beast Podcast.